This is your host, Natalie Allport, former national team athlete and entrepreneur, and welcome to the All In Podcast, where I share stories, interviews, and advice with the goal of helping you go all in. Hey, everybody. I hope you're having a great week so far and a great day so far. This week, I'm really excited to get into some tactical advice about athlete branding. I know I talk about it a lot. I make videos a lot, um, some posts about it, but I think today we're going to get really tactical and talk about some really cool research and stuff because we actually have a doctorate of sports managing, uh, management coming on. Um, he's a professor, and so he really, really knows his stuff when it comes to athlete branding, um, sponsorships, athlete partnerships and brand deals and all that kind of stuff. So really excited to dive into all that. So if you're an athlete, you definitely want to be on here, um, save it for later and all that great stuff. Hello. Hey, there we go. I feel like every time it switches, I'm like, I always predict it with the camera angle and then it always cuts me off. I think this is good. This works well, yes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited because um, as you know, I talk a lot about athlete branding and um, this will be really great for the athletes who are on my platform to dive in and learn a lot more. So could you give a little bit of an introduction uh, about yourself before we get started? Sure. So I'm a professor. My name is Tilo Kunkel. I'm a professor at Temple University in Philadelphia. I've been uh, researching branding and sport branding for over 10 years now and uh, teach in the sport business program here at Temple at the undergrad, uh, master's level and PhD level program. And as part of that, i not necessarily related to Temple, but as part of my research, part of the, the my experience with athlete branding, I've been helping athletes um, position their brand online, um, gain some sponsorship, gain some partnerships. And... Oops. Oh, I think you're good. Uh, this is, you're is back. Fall, falling apart. <laughs> it's always like that, don't worry. Sorry. So yeah, gain, gain partnerships and and really, um, one of the things that I'm most proud of is we've been helping building a school in Sierra Leone. So it's really promoting the work that the athletes are doing. And um, that's really what drives me there. And then uh, that actually led to me realizing how much power the athletes have, not just on the, on the field, but also off the field and how much good work they can do and what type of role models they are. And, and what impact they have. So we also, I, I also am the founder of Sporter or the Sporter app where uh, athletes build their brands. They can highlight their charities, causes that they care for, um, connect all of their social media accounts. And then also we're just in the process of helping the athletes to monetize their, their online following on the Sporter app as well. So uh, a little bit of, a little bit of research, a little bit of, putting research into practice and um, that's been basically my life over the last 10 years and over the last few years I've really transitioned more into focusing purely on the athletes with the research Um, so away from the team or the league so athletes first because it's the individual and that's what we through social media really want to connect with. 
Right. It's very different nowadays with social media where you can build your individual presence. Back in the day, it was kind of the team doing your marketing and there was no place for you to individually connect, which is so cool. Before we dive straight into athlete branding, do you want to tell us a little bit more about the Sporter app? Because I know that's the account that you're actually joining through today. So yeah, on the, on the Sporter app, it's an app currently on iOS. We're working on Android, but Android's, Android's is, is taken its, its time. <laughs> it's hard from what I heard. It's much more difficult. And we, we're really helping athletes to, to brand themselves. So you can sign up as you would for Instagram. You'd create your profile. You would upload some videos, pictures, and there's some dedicated spaces as in here's my courses. And then as part of the functionality in the app, I can then search for athletes who believe in the same thing that I believe in. So, for example, I am a German originally. I like soccer, I so call it football, and I believe in animal welfare. So I can go on the app, select Germany as a, as a source country. I select animal welfare as the cause, and I select soccer players. And I can find people, athletes that believe in the same thing that I believe in. I can explore their, their profiles. Um, follow them on other social media as well. And then, as I said, what we're currently building is an athlete experience store. So as a fan, I may want to want that athlete to follow me on social media, or I may want what you've probably seen with Cameo. I want some video shout outs, but we want to go beyond the video shout outs. So I want to play Fortnite with an athlete for half an hour. <laughs> So really, it's, it's about building connection rather than just, oh, here is money, now deliver that video. It's really about fostering that relationships and connecting athletes with fans. And we've been really focused on the, call it, not the superstars thus far, um, so, but those athletes who actually need some monetization and need some support there. And they've, they've actually... Quite a few of those athletes have already received sponsorships from the from being on the app. Um, we connect them with sponsors as well. We don't take commissions of that. So it, it's one of those perks for being part of the platform is to help monetize the, the name as well and the following. Very cool. Jay asks, is, is this in the U.S. yet? Yes, this is in the U.S. It's worldwide, but our main target or main user base is US based. So there are, we got Olympians, Paralympians, we got NFL Super Bowl winners, there are some MLS players, uh, former national team players, um, National Women's Soccer League. So it's a wide range of sports, but you can filter for the type of sports you you like. And there are some really obscure sports where you're like, whoa, I've never heard about this by life. So I was like, uh, what, whether it's juggling or whether it's hot, <laughs> it's highlining where you balance on, on a, basically a oh, two, yeah. 200 yard line between mountains. <laughs> it's there's some really cool athletes or like professional jet ski drivers, where it's <laughs> like, there's some some cool tricks you can that they're doing. I'm like, I had no idea what is what is actually possible with the human body before even seeing those on our app. I'm like, that's something that I just don't come across on Instagram because it's not something that I my friends like or search for. So it's been really cool to witness that and see that that athlete to athlete interaction as well. We've seen some some one one of the MLS players, he he came back to me, he's like, dude. I, I get some new fans out of it, but, but we have really built a network of athletes who, where they support each other as well. 
and seeing that is really, really rewarding. That is really cool. I think that's so important, even just for the athletes to support each other, especially athletes who might not be that superstar already. They don't have the Nike sponsorships or they're trying to get to that level. That's really an underserved market. And I think a lot of athletes are trying to trying to get to that place and struggling what to do. So in this whole live, we're going to talk more about athlete branding and things that you guys can do with your social media. Um, someone asked, does it cost anything to join? No, it's free. It's it will always be free. It's really athlete first, and we're still helping athletes. So if there is someone who is struggling with, hey, how do I build a really good profile? Um, we have a team here that is actually helping to build profiles as well as in, hey, how can I brand myself? How can I put myself in a in a good light and in something that should be authentic? But it's in a way, it's really it's like putting your best foot forward. Right. We don't so, take a cut. Nope. Yeah. At this point. So once we're building some of the uh, automation, so at this point, we're just connecting sponsorships. Uh, we don't take any cut of that. We're building connections. We're building some automation in the app um, for growth. And that will probably, uh, we will probably need to take a cut there. Um, but at this point, we're really all about athletes first. Perfect. No, that's awesome. So what athletes have you seen lately that are doing a really great job? It could be high name athletes, because I think that's more relatable to everyone, just to see an example, that are doing a great job at branding themselves. I, I mean, the highest level athletes I, I, are the ones that have all the support system. They're doing so much good work and, and being really outspoken about social cause and particularly right now with the, the Black Lives Matter movement, we see um, maybe not the most mainstream athlete, but certainly someone who is really, has really well branded himself because he comes from a heart, CJ Sapong from the uh, Chicago Fire, okay. um, who plays MLS in, he's been instrumental in uh, creating the um, um, black black players for change um, uh. foundation for within the MLS. So you may have seen it that at the beginning of the tournament, they um, everyone raised their, their their right hand, and there was uh, I think seven or eight minutes of silence, and everyone went went around raising a hand, really supporting Black Lives Matter movement. So he's been really instrumental in, in that movement. And there's a group of people that are supporting him. And, and that's certainly something that comes from the heart. And you know that people, it goes back to that authenticity. It goes, it, it shows people are doing something because they care about it. And that shows through in the end. But also, I mean, obviously they're doing good work and they are raising donations, but it also shows something that, well, part of that philanthropy philanthropy is is going to have an impact on the way people perceive you um, we actually just yeah. had a part of a research project with two two co-authors uh, that we just published and it's about how uh, people's perception change uh, of an athlete change when they are starting to actually engage in philanthropy and promote that also as in it's nice when you do it. Obviously, that's the main, that's the ulterior motive. But it's, it's really about also promoting the good work you're doing. And it sometimes seems like, oh, now I'm bragging, right? I'm doing all of this good work. Right. Look at me. But it's also, you see how much 
people's perception change towards you as in it they, they come from it change from these generic perception of oh that's a soccer player he's fast he's got a number 13 to oh this really good person he's got a good character and so these these associations that are broad and everyone can be a soccer player changing towards something that's about your character that's really powerful for branding and and that also means that oftentimes you're inspiring other people to do good so that's where it also is beneficial to sometimes it seems like bragging but it's really about inspiring people so what we've been what we've been able to do back then is uh, 2015 I worked together with Michael Lahoud who played major league soccer then and we promoted the charitable work that he was doing uh, in building a school in Sierra Leone but they still needed to raise more funds. But when we started to promote the actual work, uh, the Major League Soccer Players Association, they, they collect all of the fines that are collected throughout the season. They step in and are like, look, we've heard your story. We love what you do. We are actually using the, those, that fine money for getting a yellow card or red card. We're using that this year and donating oh. to your school. So wow. sudden suddenly there were there was a donation of like twelve thousand dollars which they were able to use to build a septic tank and and like really provide uh, valuable resources to that school so it's like yeah it seems like bragging but hey this is actually making a big change so that's something that it's it's always a fine line between that bragging and inspiring and the best thing you can do is really let other people talk yourself up basically in, in a way it's right. like oh you're working with other people and they can then promote what all of the good work you're doing but you still got to mm-hmm. do the leg work initially yeah that is so cool and that is so true because I always say impact over hype but I didn't have like the research to go back on that and so the thing the fact that you guys have done the research and show that when athletes do this philanthropic work people you know resonate with that and have a better likeness to them is really really interesting I know for me I saw Kyrie Irving was donating our money to a fund to help the female WNBA players who make you know a lot of them make you know 60 70 thousand dollars a year and how to forego the season for you know uh, different causes I know uh, Maya Moore was was uh, working and she got this man who was in prison for 50 years uh, exonerated and then there's some with health conditions and different things and they need to put money on their table. And so when I saw that, I thought that was so cool. And now I'm literally out there trying to buy um, his Kyrie Irving, the Irving six uh, shoes, because the Kyrie six shoes um, that he actually designed with his sister and his sister is a female athlete and entrepreneur. And so she had a design on these shoes and it supports, you know, female empowerment and all these things. And with that news, I was like, that's it. I'm buying these shoes. I was going to buy the uh, Jordan fours and now these are the shoes I'm going to get. So, you know, it really does work even, you know, just from another athlete, just seeing that makes me be like, I am a fan for life now. No, and, and that makes a big difference in terms of, okay, well, I want to support something. I want to wear a Jersey. I want to, but it's so much cooler if if that you're actually supporting a, a higher motive, and 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 that's certainly something. I got my uh, Philadelphia Union jersey here that I uh, I wanted a Union jersey back in the day, as in I I, want, I support the team, I, I like the team. I'm like, 
And I, I bought this jersey with the signatures at the charity auction. So not only did I get my jersey, um, but actually all of that went to the Union Foundation. So mm. it's a little bit of, yeah, I get to wear it, but it's, well, I, I don't, now it's hanging on a wall. So <laughs> it's really not serving the purpose of me going to Union Games, but it's really, it's, it's also about, okay, now I, I'm, I'm making a difference at the same time. I think that's what a lot of people are are interested in more and more and we see that that change in consumer culture right now where it goes away from the team winning to okay what else are you doing same right. with an athlete you're making and i don't want to call out individual athletes but there are some athletes and that are making 30 million dollars a year okay what are you doing with that money and why do you deserve that money uh, is it because you put a ball in a basket really well or what else can you do? Right. Like, because if you can inspire a whole generation, I will never question. I will never question LeBron James's uh, value. What he earns, he has. I mean, all of his. I promise school and those type of aspects. Like that's really powerful. So that type yeah. of inspiration. That that's certainly something I will never question his value. Um, and whatever he's making because he's doing so much good work. And that's, I think, what we see with with athletes' um, impacts going way beyond the on-field. Obviously, the on-field helps because that then you get, a lot of, you get a lot of impressions, you get a lot of media attention, and that's when people start to notice you. So on-field is still, most athletes, it's still the base level. You got you to gotta put in the work. You have to... Um, you have you have to perform unless you are you have some other other aspects i mean we see it with influencer marketing you don't have to be super famous you can become yeah. famous by doing a cool dance on tiktok you can become famous by just a specific workout routine that you promote over and over again um so uh, but there is uh, there are certainly some limits and and that external media attention does help a lot for athletes. So athletes are really the natural influencer. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's interesting how I find that, you know, for example, a, a brand will sometimes choose this social media influencer over the athlete. And I think it's more prevalent mainly on the female side of things. Like, you know, on the fitness side, if someone's going to get Rob Gronkowski or um, some random male social media influencer, they're going to pick Rob Gronkowski. But on the female athlete side, sometimes it just doesn't go that way. And so that's been something interesting that I've noticed. But I want to go back to you saying the importance of the on-field as one of the foundations. What was I thought was really cool is that one NBA player who's making a vlog of life in the bubble. And immediately yeah. he's got millions of followers on YouTube. And he's not he wasn't a well-known player before that, but he was the first player who was willing to take the judgment of getting out his camera and creating all those things. What are other unique ways that you find that athletes who might not be that superstar or ever be that superstar or who are in sports with low media coverage, what are ways that they can put their name out there and do something unique to be able to get these sponsorships that fund their athletic pursuits yeah we a great great example um while he's not a superstar i think it's marquis tobo 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 i don't know how yeah to pronounce it. I, he, plays I for the, he plays for the 76ers i really should know um but he is still getting that media attention that comes along right. with the nba and if it's if you're at the highest level if you're at the nba if you're at the nfl 
people will write about it. Reporters mm. will write about it. And those are reporters with thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers all over social media. So it's going to get picked up. So that mainstream media attention is still there, even though he's not the main person on the, on the court. Now, if you're not that person, which obviously most of us are, aren't the superstar athletes, what uh, I think- LeBron, pick... if you're watching this live, leave a comment. I'd love to talk <laughs> to you. We'll, we'll, we'll talk then, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, a kicker in Flo from, from UFC, University of South Florida, he's, he's, um, his handle is destroying. Mm -hmm. So he's basically a football kicker. He didn't, he wasn't a starter. But he started creating these uh, videos of his trick shots. Mm -hmm. uh, then just um, me kicking field goals from 50 yards out on an angle or me kicking like the, the football into this garbage bin out of like 45 yards. And, and so he's found his unique angle. And he actually went that far that he lost eligibility to play NCAA college sport Right. Because he monetized his YouTube channel. Mm. But he's now, he's signed with Whistle Sports. He's signed with an agency that basically, <laughs> no gets, him, that's basically gets him all of these, these media deals and has other, call it non-traditional athletes. So he found a way to monetize that much more than his college degree because he knew he would not go pro afterwards anyway. So it's like, well, right. if I instead of getting my scholarship and being on the football team, I can basically, I can earn $200,000, pay for university if I actually want it, and still be up by 150. Now he could have waited for another year maybe, and really le leveraged the university media department uh, to promote his work that he was doing. If he didn't monetize, he could have really used that external support here that media support and that may have given him even more of a boost uh, right but and that's now with NIL, yeah and now now athletes can be able to do that so i want to let it know if anyone if they're watching now or they're gonna listen to the podcast later and you're a college athlete or a future college athlete like the rules are changing and so you're going to be able to be still have a scholarship and be on your team and also promote yourself on social media monetize that brand and make money while you're at it Absolutely. NIL, name, image, and likeness is really that, what are you worth in the eye of, of the beholder? And that is completely changing. Actually, that's one thing. The Sporter app is NCAA compliant. So we have a big warning. Do not activate the monetization if you're currently an NCAA athlete. Because while it's changing, it still hasn't changed yet. Right. Um, but I'm actually currently, we're working on a research project where we we looked at the social media value of college athletes and where it comes from. And, and there are some college athletes that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars just based off their social media following. And, and that's certainly something that we will see a lot more uh, potential for monetization, particularly on social media. That's, that's partly why we also looked at creating the sport app and saying, look here, we, we know there's a lot of college athletes that will be able to monetize their name, image, and likeness, but how? Mm -hmm. Like, how are, you, how are you doing this? Like, where we are creating, we're basically giving them a one-stop shop where they don't need an agent that gets them uh, to do a business deal. Um, so we, that, that's part of 
our thinking behind the the sport app as well. But that's certainly a big, big change in what you can do as a college athlete or high school leverage high school. Like I was very surprised to see how much engagement high school athletes get and. It's high. The young young people are engaging on social media much higher. Like if your audience is in 30s or 40s, I find the engagement rate of that older audience is much less versus like those people who are in their teens. They're liking everything. They're commenting on everything. Tell tell me about it. I only I have personally I, they're, they're, as a professor, you have friends who are and and colleagues who are a bit older. Like you, it's hard to get them to like <laughs> and engage. <laughs> I can't even get my parents to like my stuff. Maybe on Facebook. That's where yeah, the parents are now. Ah, my parents don't have Facebook. They only have yeah. uh, Instagram and Twitter just to like creep on what my brother and I are doing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, you bring up a good point here in terms of what's the platform, what's the audience. And, and actually, we had a question on, uh, I, I received a question, how do you use metrics from, or how do you use data and analytics to optimize your, your engagement, to optimize your, your branding and so on. And I think it's really about, particular Instagram gives you really insightful, val- valuable insights. It, Twitter does the same. They, they give you some insights on your, your audience. Obviously you can monitor the engagement, but I think the best, the best approach is really to write it down, like create some spreadsheets, create your in, own insights because you can always find it like, oh, it's best to post on Wednesday at three o'clock, but that may not be true for your unique audience. Just because there's a millions of users on Instagram during that time, they may all be totally different target markets. So it's really interesting and to take a, a unique approach to your own monetization or your own monitoring, how you use the data and and really gain your own insights rather than just living off that, oh, Thursday, eight o'clock, that's when I post. And it's <laughs> like, well, just because everyone posts then doesn't mean, like you, that's probably when you may even get less engagement because everyone else right. posts then. And then you're competing with professional brands during that nine to five range, as in same thing, where, where's, where's your audience? Are they here? Are they overseas? Which time zone are they in? Um, those aspects really depend, particularly as you grow as an athlete brand, you suddenly start to attract a lot of people. And what we see a lot of following coming from the Middle East, coming from India. Oh, just paused out there for a second here. I think you're back. Yep, we're good. Just got. So, like we see a lot, of, we see a lot of the the uh, the engagement coming from from overseas. So that's also something that we see with with college or high school athletes that oftentimes their following is hyper localized, which makes them much more valuable to local brands that want to get their name out in a specific location. As in, if I'm a location here in Philadelphia, or if I'm based in Toronto. I really don't care how many followers you you have that are uh, residing in in Delhi or Bangladesh, right? As in, I'm not monetizing. I ca- I cannot gain anything of that. So I think we're moving away right. more and more. As in, sponsors are becoming much smarter as well. As in, show me your audience and and show me that engagement because it's easy to buy followers. Yeah, like you mm. can you can buy followers. You can buy engagement. You can buy comments, but 
are those just a high five posts every time or is that actually engage is that actual engagement so yeah what are what what is your what is your real audience and and how can you engage that audience i think that's really important in using that those metrics to to define to to look into that I think that's so important. It's so important to have depth with your audience. Like they know you, they see, like you said, with the philanthropic work, there's more depth than just like your hype posts. Like I just scored a touchdown. Here's a photo of me or, you know, here's just like this post-workout photo, but you're not telling people the workout or more depth behind it. So I think that's so important. And I want to give a few quick tips because you said with, you know, the data and the insights, if you're watching this and you don't have, you're an athlete and you don't have like a creator or a business profile on Instagram, that's important so that you can actually then go and access your insights, which you can't do just from like a basic personal profile. So I think that's really important. And then what you said with having a spreadsheet or something is also important. And I even just use this like in my social media marketing agency with my clients or when I'm telling athletes is some of it is like some of the marketing and these nuances, it is things that you're going to pick up, not just from the numbers. Like you said, where it's like, for example, if, if you want to target people who, you know, after work hours, and even though it says, yeah, 1pm is the best time to post, for example, well, if you want to get someone when they're more engaged during that after dinner time or that after work time, then think about those types of things. Like, and if you maybe you have an international audience, but you really want to go after that local audience with a specific post, think about the time zone of of that locality, what they're doing. Is it a special event in your city that day that no one's online? Is there a big sporting event that everyone's at and they're not checking their phone? Like those are all little things to think about and those things won't come up just in a straight data. Absolutely. And, and one thing that we always, we see from marketing literature is like, oh, when it's warm, people buy ice cream. Obviously that's, that's <laughs> research that's been done in the seventies, but when it's warm, actually, people are not really on Instagram or on social media as much. So it's it's also like just certain aspects like the weather. It's so simple and so basic, but it's like it's something that you, you need mm. to consider in terms of your social media marketing down the road as well. Right. Um, That's totally true. Like get those, you know, when someone is going to already when they want to get ice cream, when they're craving it and it's warm, they've already thought subconsciously about what ice cream they want. So advertise before that, because on that warm day, they're already like, I'm going to the first one that comes into my mind and I'm not checking my phone because, you know, I'm enjoying the beach or whatever it is. So the same thing kind of goes with with sports and athletics. Like you, you, when you are an athlete, you do want to think about yourself in these brand perspectives when it does come to advertising, especially if you want to monetize. Do you provide some... uh... Consult, call it consulting for athletes where you're like, hey, I can, I can give you, provide you with some strategy. Is that something you do as part of your, your offerings? Yeah. So like when I started my, my social media marketing agency, it was pretty much strictly business. And then I would get emails from Olympians and different athletes throughout the years since I retired. And even while I was still competing, like people would always say, uh, you need sponsorships. Oh, you should talk to Natalie. Like she'll help you. She's been able to make that for herself and connect these. So yeah, I started helping some athletes, but just for free. And I actually, I had a TikTok post about, about it that I got about 300 athletes that came to my Instagram and DM'd me with uh, help. And so I gave them all voice messages, like individually, just some help. But I'm, I'm thinking about doing some sort of course 
and some sort of consulting because I do see that, yeah, there's a lot of athletes that could use some more help on this side just to get started or how they can improve because it's so important. Like I grew up somewhere where I needed the sponsorships and that monetization to be able to fund my athletic career is the only way to make it happen. Um, people think that some athletes make a lot of money, but it's just not necessarily true. And so that was something that I had to learn really quickly is like, how do I market myself? And then how do I do it that it's sustainable and authentic? That's not like a job, which is one question I actually have written down for you is how do you think athletes can do it without feeling like they're selling out without feeling like this is a, a job to just provide for a sponsor or monetization? How can they do it that it's just, you know, it's natural, it's organic, and it's actually like fulfilling that comes back to choosing the right the right partners as in as in do is this something that you would feel proud of telling people and mm. if it's not then then don't don't get involved don't take the free product obviously most of the time if we if we're making these type of decisions we're really starting out in our career right like no one would right. say oh lebron are you taking that money or are you compromising your values no he's he's <laughs> not so it's it's that that initial step as in I'm moving to okay, I have a few thousand followers now I'm getting approached by by companies that are saying, "Hey, I'll give you some free product, it's protein powder here, or maybe I'll pay you fifty dollars for a shout out those type of situations and I think the the bottom line is you those fifty dollars won't make a massive difference in your in your career. Mm -hmm. um, but that selling out of your audience is going to make a difference. So if you're a vegan, don't promote the sizzling grill or, you, you know, like we've, we've seen all of these things before. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's, um, there's everything well, from, like I just call them athlete screw up. I actually got a, a long list of athlete screw ups, how they on online and, and it's, I, I use them in entertainment in my, in my classes as in, um, currently working on an athlete branding class as well, so I'm, I'm going through those examples. Here's what not to do. Mm. Um, but it's really that 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 balance of when do I when do I need the money? And I, I get that as in a few hundred dollars here and there. Hey, why not? Uh, and you can sell your audience. It's always a trade-off. Uh, one of our research projects looked at if you include your sponsor at, we call it relationship building versus relationship exploitation. Mm -hmm. So if you are selling something for your sponsor, you're exploiting the relationship that you've built with the fans, right? You're basically on selling those fans. Right. So every, every time you are on selling the, the fans and you're exploiting that relationship, you're getting less engagement and people will catch on to, onto that. So, uh, and people obviously don't like being, uh, sold on to two sponsors um, unless it's a product that they follow you for a specific reason, oftentimes because you have good taste or you have a taste that's aligned with theirs. You have values that are aligned with it. And if you're promoting products that are aligned, great. It's adding to that relationship. If it's not, you're really taken away from that relationship and sooner mm -hmm. or later they will either unfollow you or they just will not engage with your content and not engaging with the content means that the algorithm picks it up. And then now you, instead of being the number seven person that shows up on the timeline and in Instagram on the stories, or when you scroll through now, you're person number 34. And you know what? People don't have the time to scroll, to go through the stories mm. all the way to person number 34. So in a way you then 
ending up in that downward spiral where you get less engagement because you're moving back. And that means you're getting, getting even less engagement. So you're yeah. jeopardizing your brand. Uh, and that I think, particularly as an athlete, you are, most athletes are young, right? It's, you're um, in, your, in your teens, in your early 20s. You have a lot of time left in, in, your, in your brand. Like you're building a brand, not just for the next two years. You're building your brand that way you can, once you're done with whether it's college and you may not go pro, or once you go pro and then you t retire, you always, your brand comes with you. So you're building your brand for the rest of your life. So that's something that what you, your audience will follow. And some of the people in, in that are your peers early on, they, they may become hiring managers. They may have opportunities available and someone knows someone who knows someone. So I think that's really, that brand is, is coming along that, that is that you're, Every day you're building your brand and you, you manage it. You have to actively manage it. And that, that goes back to your question as in, should I, do I want to sell out or do I build an authentic audience and, and brand? And yeah. where's, that, where's that fine line? I think it's so important. Yeah. And the right relationships might be the right fit. For example, if someone follows you to get those workouts from behind the scenes of your training and you're using this agility ladder the whole time, it's like, it might feel authentic to your audience to be like, Oh my gosh, I want to buy that agility ladder. And you happen to like then message them. Oh yeah. Like this is the one I use. You can use this code. But if every day, like, for example, you never post about your training and then you just post, this is a protein you should take. This is the agility ladder you should use. It's not going to feel so authentic because it's not right exactly in your niche. And like athletes, they feel sometimes that they can promote anything, which truly they could, but then you're, you are selling out in ways that it's not fitting exactly what you're doing and what you're naturally sharing. If you can incorporate those things to what you're nat naturally selling, I think it helps a little bit with the engagement and things like that. And I see we have a question here about how do you manage product placement without sacrificing engagement or fan trust? I think that answered a little bit, but I'd like to hear, yeah, your thoughts on that. I think creativity is the real answer. As in, if you're someone who holds up this Garmin watch and buy this Garmin watch, I really like it. That's not, that's not gonna get you the likes. That's not gonna get you the engagement. It's really about, also this Garmin watch is really old. Don't buy this. It's like I bought it ten, <laughs> 10 years ago. It's still working. I well, it's refuse like, to. I could be. I I'm drinking this. You should get it. But I, exactly. I, if someone does want to sponsor these lives, hit me up. But we have no sponsors. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it, it still works. So I refuse to buy a new one. But it, it's really about how creative can you get uh, in in your in your sponsorship? Is it does it fit? Uh, and can you not just tell me? buy this but then also a reason why should i buy this are you using it yourself is it better than what you've used before mm. and how is it better than what you've used before or is it like these protein chickpeas that have some garlic and and, and chili flavor i mean yeah i i'd buy that if you can convince me they have they are much healthier than than chips or whatever i'm like okay that I, i'll give that a go but it, it needs to really fit and, and it needs mm -hmm. to be about, I think the best, we've seen uh, actually, a, uh, I'm, I work with a, an agency and they are um, 
a creative agency, sponsorship agency, and they they have a, a few a few of their athletes. They just got sponsored by Manscaped, like they. Uh, yeah, I've seen that and, all and, over TikTok. Yes, and they are getting really creative in terms of how they're activating that sponsorship. And that's something like, okay, well, I can I can actually appreciate that. And if it's yeah. if it's created well, I think that creativity goes a long way, not just for fan engagement or follower engagement but then also for that next deal as in you you got to build a portfolio most athletes don't don't get sponsored don't when they if they get sponsored they gotta they gotta promote as here's why you should sponsor me and you gotta demonstrate some value to those those sponsors and in the end of the day it's it should be a win-win-win as in you as the athlete you should win the sponsor should win and the fans should win as in you got to give them the a audience, good product yeah. you got to got to give the audience a product that they would actually like and obviously you got to make some money and yeah. if your sponsor is also a bigger brand you can actually gain potentially gain some followers from that as well and the sponsor should actually gain some sales because in the end of the day that's really what they're after uh, yeah. and i've worked with an athlete who he promoted uh, a product uh, actually a, a download for a specific app and he had 42,000 real fans and he just posted a picture it's like download this zero downloads zero downloads Seen so, it before, yeah. so if you're the company who's paying for that post you're gonna be really annoyed but he did not put any effort in so he didn't convince the audience why they should be down, how it fits with their brand and, and how it can make their life better. As in, is that app, app cool? Do I like it? What do I get out of it? So it's really about storytelling beyond just the product placement. I think product placement is late 90s. We've moved on from that, in particular in the social media world. Um, product placement may be like a 2010, but it's... Mm -hmm. We've moved on from that. So I think it's really about coming back to our earlier conversation. How do you build your brand? What makes you unique? Is that the free kicks? As I talked about that, that kicker from, from South Florida, as in it's so easy to add something to those garbage bins or, or even do it like at, at a miniature level, as in so surprising, as in, yep, you're taking a free kick and now you're kicking it, kicking it 20 centimeters. Or a, a foot far. I'm straight. I'm I'm a metric guy system, so <laughs> I, I guess you're a, a Canadian. I, but I'm that foot centimeter. So you you can scale it down, scale it up, make it surprising, but make it creative. Yeah. No, I think that's that's amazing points. Like I've had so many brands who message me, and they're like, "I want to. We want to sponsor you. We'll send you all this product." Um, and then you need to post about us this many times and this. I'm like, I haven't even tried your product. And you're coming to me and saying, like, we want to send you this and do this. There's no chance. Like, give me a chance to test your product and see if I even like it. And it's something that will actually be beneficial to me so that it feels authentic if I share it with other people. Like, I'm not just trying to take whatever I can get and just push it out. Like, like, like you said, it needs to be a win for me. It needs to be a win for the brand. It needs to be a win for the audience, which I think that is something that no one thinks about. People think like, I'm going to build all this audience and all of a sudden I'll have a sponsor uh, because I have, you know, 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 followers and I'll post about this and that's all I have to do. 
that's not it at all. It's like, what can you use your creativity towards? And then use that same creativity to market the sponsor because it's not like your work stops when you yeah. hit this amount of followers and you get the sponsor and boom you're paid here's this like like you saw it had zero conversions you need to be able to get creative about what you're creating and um i think just the new platforms we have with tiktok and different things allows that which is really cool and i think it's only going to improve but if the athletes that put in the work even when they do get that deal they're gonna you know pay off long term and i saw a question go by here Best opportunities for athletes to secure sponsorships. They said with the current market situation. I mean, some e-commerce businesses are crushing it right now. So market situations are different for every business. But what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think, I mean, right now, certainly sponsorship is decreasing. We, we don't have to discuss that. It, it's going down. Uh, investment. Sports, and it, people aren't playing. People aren't playing. And, and marketing slash sponsorship is one of the first cost points that are being cut from organizations. Uh, it's it's difficult to justify layoffs when you're still sponsoring some athlete. Mm. Um, and it's difficult to sponsor, to invest, to, to justify these Facebook ads or Instagram ads. And, and, and we've seen those big companies, they had a big, like their their numbers are crumbling in terms of what this what people are spending in advertisement and that that flows through to sponsorship and we'll probably see even more uh, the stimulus package runs out this actually tomorrow in the us so mm. uh, we'll see even less or even less sponsor sponsored posts uh, over the next few weeks and months so it, again it's it's about being creative sometimes uh, get, i mean there are some great platforms open sponsorship is a good one they basically connect you with um uh basically it's a platform where you can get connected with sponsors there's some influencer platforms um depending on the size of your audience uh, there are it may actually be beneficial to invest some money into getting working with an agent who is going to take a cut, but they can negotiate much bigger deals. And obviously they, they can also pool some of the other athletes together. So one of the creative agents I'm working with, he's, he's fantastic. So he basically pools a few different athletes together. So instead of selling one athlete for that for X and one for Y, he pulls them together and can sell them as a package deal for much more and, and basically coordinates their, their, their creative uh, activation. So I think that is also an option, but then I think it, it really comes down to um, if there's no sponsorship income right now, it's, it's sometimes it's about building your portfolio as in, can you, can you even drive, sponsorship can you drive downloads so maybe and i hate to say it but maybe you have to do a free or for product promotion that way once there's more sponsorship money and you have something in your portfolio and say hey i did this for power bar we here's my promotional code i sold x amount of x amount of product so it's about building that portfolio that we all expect from an artist, that we all expect from a creative designer or an architect, but we don't oftentimes don't see that initially from an athlete. It's like, okay, who, what, what's your track record in selling? What's your mm -hmm. track record in engaging an audience? 
not just with pictures from you on the field, but also from something that's beneficial to us. So as I said, I hate saying it, I hate promoting free work, but oftentimes that, that is how you build your portfolio. And I think if there is not as much sponsorship floating around right now, this is a good time to build that portfolio. And there are still some companies out there that do, that want to do work for call it free product or, or product placement. And if it's something that you are looking for anyway, if it's something that you're using anyway, that may be a, a good option to call it get your foot in the door here as well. That's such a good point. I think that's, yeah, having those relationships built and learning how to even build those relationships and how to sell, it's always going to serve you well, just those skills. And I think now with the downturn of the economy and different things going on, like you don't have to monetize right away. Right now is a perfect time to be investing into your brand and waiting for those opportunities that when they come, then you can take advantage. If you wait, like, for example, you wait, I don't know, till things are back great and everyone's searching for the same sponsorships, you're going to be behind unless, unless you went now and invested. You, you're getting this content out. You're creating content. You're even learning how to use TikTok, these different platforms. How can I create these things that then when I do get a sponsor, it's going to make me more valuable? How do I get depth with my audience? So then again, like when I go to monetize, it's going to be more valuable. So I think there's always opportunity. You don't always have to be selling, but focus, is, focus on like honing your skills because that's just it's always going to pay off. And as an athlete, I think most athletes understand that. They understand like there's no games right now. Let me practice so that when games come, I'm going to be the best on the field. And I think that's certainly, that's great valuable content in terms of practice, in terms of valuable insights, not just, hey, here's a, here's a picture and I look great. Obviously those are good too, but it's about here is what actually went into this workout session. Here is, and you've done a, you're doing a great job in providing some insights in your workout sessions there as well. And and I think people, people like that as in, oh, let me, let me, let me try this, this today. And, and let me, let me go with this workout. Um, so I think, I think that's certainly these behind the scenes access and the, the process and what we see is people value insights on the process, not just the finished product. So mm. that's something that, um, that we see more and more athletes are getting it um, and, and are actually delivering on that. Sometimes a bit, some people are oversharing a bit too much. So if they're, if they're, if they're social media, if they're Instagram stories, if they got 25 stories every day, that's also, oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, like I'm just making up this number, but there are, <laughs> there are people who do. There are. And, and that's a sure way to just skip. And, and that's also something to then, lose on or, or be pushed back from the algorithms in within within different apps as in well you skipped this the last time this person the last time therefore we're going to push that person back even more now the next time you have content that's not relevant to the audience it gets pushed even back uh, back even more again so again we're, we're talking algorithm where we're in the end of the day you got to stay authentic you got to build your brand but you got to make it make it attractive to the audience. That's what you, and, th and that's a negotiation between what you want to share. And this is really cool because it has real meaning to you and your friends, or it's an insider and you really want to share that. Maybe that you share that via WhatsApp and you share that with your friends mm -hmm. and you provide your audience with something that, that is actually valuable to them. 
Yeah, that is so key because people are following you for a reason. And then when you go back to what you said, like with the workouts and giving some more insight, like for me, I find just from my knowledge of taking psychology classes and things like that, like people like to to be attached to a journey or a story. And so just let people in on that journey and story instead of just posting, like I could just post here's like post-workout, like bye, you know? No, there's no context. But if I, like, this is my mindset going into this workout. These were some of my thoughts that I had because other people might relate or this was the workout that I did if you want to do it. And some more insights like that, it allows people to go through the journey and be more connected. And I think that depth is so important. And it's also I find that it's important just for mental health of using the platform, like getting comments, talking with people, building these relationships with people who follow me in my DMs and my comments and um, people just reaching out to me and saying, you know, this was helpful or this was motivational or inspiring. That keeps me going more than if I just posted a photo with my shirt off and it's just for likes like that, that creates an unhealthy relationship. Do you find that some athletes have struggled with those different aspects? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's certainly something that uh, oh, I just post didn't get as many likes. Um, and there's so many reasons why a specific post didn't get as many likes. And, and we see we know sex sells. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's a fact as in whether it's a, it's your apps, whether it's a, a, a flexed uh, by all of those aspects. It, it helps, but that shouldn't should not let if your you worth define... is tied to that it's yeah difficult. you shouldn't just build your brand on that unless i mean <laughs> unless you you that's what you're going for right and that that's Body total builder or, yeah, yeah you you have that uh, there are some very attractive people that can and we see that all the all the time that build their 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 brand purely based on looks and models um instagram influ- i mean that that it certainly helps but it's certainly something that behind the behind the scenes even those the even those that, that are promoting basically your six pack apps or so again it goes back to here is how i get them and here is what i do and and it's the beauty of athletes or for athletes is really that their main work is really it's easy to visualize and easy to show via visual content right it's like it's visual content that they do as, as their primary work. Let's be. It's not writing say, or brain no, work. I, yeah. I, as a professor, here here's me <laughs> writing. It's like, yeah, I'll show you my Word document. No, that's not what no one cares about that. But yeah. if I was running or if I was working out for, for a living, that would be a totally different thing. So those aspects, athletes have a lot going for them in social media world, in the social media world anyway. So they have a lot of advantages. They got it. You got to take them. As I said yeah. earlier, with a team, a league, they always look for cool content that makes the team and league look good. So if you, as an athlete, provide content where you're out in a school, where you are doing something philanthropic, tag them, tell them, or DM them, hey, can you promote this? Can you, like, even a direct message, like, get this out because it makes you look good. And obviously it makes me look good. And therefore we are, it's a win-win situation. Again, here, using these external stakeholders, not just a sponsor, but then, or whether it's just a teammate, as in collaborations, we see a lot of collaborations are really successful. Yeah. Um, and, and part of our research, we looked at these Instagram uh, following and engagement of major league soccer players uh, of, around the whole league uh, several thousand uh, Instagram posts and 
tagging teammates and having them in the picture is one of the main drivers of actually increased engagement. So because you're That's providing cool, more yeah. value. So if I, if I like the LA Galaxy and I may like one player, I may, I'm probably pretty likely to like another player in there. So now you're not show, just showing me you who's playing on the team, but you also show me another player that I like. So that athlete to athlete interaction is fans want to see that they want to, then they want to know about that as well. That's really cool. I love that. So we have a few minutes left. Are there any like really quick, say three social media tips that you could sum some things down to if people have some main takeaways that they should take from this? Think about who you are and think about who you want to be online and how they align. So that's really about who are you as a person and how can you convey that in a manner that is attractive to a specific audience. So don't try to fit in somewhere that and be someone that you're not. Um, find the audience that likes who you are natural. Yeah. So that, that that's one of the main things. And then treat it as part of your business. Um, it's probably the second part, as in would, if you were paid to do this every day, would you spend the hour or would you spend the half an hour or would you just start say on Sunday, I'm going to, to take three hours and I prepare my posts for the week. So the scheduled one, the writing it out and so on. So treat it as a business because in the end of the day, you want it to be a business and then you need, then you basically need to approach it as a business. And then number three is really don't, don't feel like you're too good for building your portfolio. Uh, and oftentimes as athletes, we know we, we grow up, we think we're better than the rest because of, uh, and we, most of the time we're at least on the field or on the court or on the slopes, we were better than others. And that's why we're approaching professionalism. But you still need to demonstrate that value to sponsors. And that's something that they don't really care. They care for what you can do for them rather than about you. It's really about yeah. them. So don't feel like you are too good to build a portfolio based off something if you if you don't have it yet. So those are my three three things, I think three main takeaways and know who you are and promote that rather than trying to be someone else. Treat it as a business and don't feel too good for getting started with a portfolio. Yeah, no, that's so important. I think building those skills and the self-awareness of it all is just so important. And right now is a great time to work on those things. So definitely if you're an athlete, you know, put in the work on those things and treat it seriously. Um, some last sign-offs, where can people find you, find your research as well as how can people start with Sporter? We have about a minute left. Uh, Sporter as in at Sporter app without the O. So spelled without the O because those are the letters that are the same in Sporter and Supporter. Yeah, I like so that. we're connecting those. Um, so Sporter app or at sporter.com and download the app, reach out to us. We're super happy to, to help out and help create profiles and provide some guidance there. Um, me at Tilo Kunkel, T-H-I-L-O, 
you, you've linked me in there. And my research is also on my website website tilakanko.com as well so that's easy to get from there if someone is call it nerdy enough to actually want to go through academic papers i am i'm looking to find some more digestible ways of uh, disseminating it as well yeah well awesome you've done a great job at, at sharing information here and all the research that you do it's been great to chat and thank you so much for joining and, and sharing more about athlete branding because i think this is really important for athletes to be able to have longevity in their careers and realize all the work that goes in on this side the business side thanks for having me and a uh, great great conversation thanks for keeping it flowing <laughs> no problem awesome well have a great rest of your night you as well thanks bye bye if you like this episode, please share it with a friend, share it on social media, tag me at Natalie Allport, and check out my website, www.natalieallport.com. Thank you for tuning in.